I'm more excited to be talking to you about task management. You are going to love it. We have to accept that tech is coming into the world and we have to prepare our, our pupils for the real world. This method is really a game-changing way of invigilating, to be honest. Welcome to the Surpass Community Podcast. Hello and welcome to a special Surpass Community Podcast. I'm your host for today, Ben Brady. This episode features a recording of a presentation given at the SPAS conference earlier this year, uh, October 2020. This episode today features a recording of the presentation given by Harry Petrinos from the World Bank Education. The full presentation is available at conference.surpass.com and we would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, so once you've listened to the podcast, please become a part of the SPAS community by joining us for future digital events and subscribing to the mailing list at surpass.com slash signup. Finally, we would like to thank all of our contributors for the conference. It has been an absolutely amazing conference. We've had some wonderful feedback this year. Uh, In the interest of transparency, presentations are created independently by our speakers, and as such, the views expressed by speakers do not necessarily reflect those of BTL Group Limited or the Surpass team. So just to clarify, um, this is the audio taken from the original presentation at the conference. We've put it into podcast format because we know that a lot of you find this more accessible and have more chance to listen at home. If you do have any questions or would like to see slides, then again, they can be seen at conference.surpass.com. But I will now hand over to our speaker. The COVID-19 cost of our school closures. Mass school and university closures have been among the most shocking signs of COVID-19's power to drive a global shutdown. In mid-April of this year, UNESCO reported that 192 countries had closed all schools and universities, affecting more than 90% of the world's learners. This is almost 1.6 billion children and young people. While some governments have started to open schools, uh, education, one of the most important drivers in human uh, capital investment, is in many ways uh, largely closed for business. We know from past experience that pandemics have a long lasting impact on human uh, development. The 1918 influenza generated impacts that lasted into the 1980s. That is, cohorts that were in utero during the pandemic display reduced attainment, increased physical disability, lower incomes, higher transfer payments compared with other birth cohorts. Also, there has been a lost decade for education after the Great Recession of 2007. In the United States, where budget cuts affected education, this led to significant declines in uh, learning uh, outcomes, in increased dropouts from school, and sharp reductions in college entrance, and all of this disproportionately affecting the poorest and therefore widening equity gaps. COVID-19 will have profound impacts on education, human capital formation, and welfare. Most children, and predominantly the poor, will suffer a loss in learning of up to half a year. 
meaning that many children who are about average in terms of learning outcomes will move close to becoming functionally illiterate as a result. Another one third of the school year learning gains could be lost during the, the summer break with the greatest effects again on those from lower income backgrounds. Due to the crisis and the loss of learning, school dropouts are also expected to be significant. We know that the negative effects of pandemics are long lasting. Uh, they reduce incomes by five to 9%. They could also lead to significant reductions in uh, people's earnings. The loss of GDP or national income depends on how severe the pandemic is. The full losses, however, include lost productivity and other consequences during uh, the outbreak, such as mortality, morbidity, and absenteeism from work. We also know that for students, graduating in a recession year leads to earnings losses that could last a decade. All pandemics affect economic output. Going back to the 14th century and the Black Death, uh, which left 75 million dead, uh, this led to reductions in labor, of course, mostly in urban areas, uh, but uh, higher agricultural wages. But the Spanish flu uh, led to lower incomes in general. We also know that school closures have an impact. During the Cultural Revolution in China, when high schools were closed, uh, this led to a 35% decline in high school completion rates in the, coming, in the following decades. And this affected the cohort also in terms of labor market earnings, which were lower up to a decade later. We also know that during school closures, one of the results is that the loss in earnings is not distributed equal. That is, those with more education tend to fare better during school closures and crises. What are the costs of school closures? There are two main categories. One is the learning loss, the inability to, to go to school, to study, uh, reduces people's uh, learning outcomes. The second category is the earnings losses, and this is only realized in the future once those students and uh, youth enter the labor market. The stock of learning will decline. We estimate that learning could decline in terms of academic scores as measured by the OECD's PISA up to 30 points. This is a whole year's worth of learning. It's a significant uh, possible decline. It, it could also increase the proportion of students falling, falling below the minimum proficiency levels, in other words, becoming functionally illiterate as a result of the school closures and the uh, crisis. For Europe and Central Asia, uh, the World Bank simulation model estimates that, that learning adjusted years, that is uh, years, expected years of schooling adjusted for the quality of education will fall. In other words, the quality of education will reduce the value of those years of education. Also, uh, academic scores will decline, PISA, um, to a significant degree, depending on how severe the closures are. We also will see in ECA uh, an increasing proportion of students falling below the OECD's level two, which 
puts them close to functional illiteracy again. Uh, and again, depending on how severe the closures were and how much learning took place during the uh, lockdown and the uh, summer break. We also expect significant earnings declines in, in, uh, in ECHM. These are the future earnings of the generation of students that uh, experience the, the lockdown. And these could be significant individual earnings, but also at the, uh, at the aggregate level for ECHA as a whole, we estimate up to $4.6 trillion in lost earnings over a long period of time, but nevertheless a significant uh, amount of resources that will be lost because of the uh, school uh, closures. It is possible to mitigate for these uh, losses and governments around the world have done their best to, to uh, address this, but uh, no one expected a, a pandemic of, at this um, extent and school closures to, to, um, uh, to occur for such a long period of time for so many students. And our systems uh, simply don't have the capacity to provide uh, distance education for so many students at the same time. Also, there are within countries and in many places, uh, students that don't have the connectivity to take full advantage of the online learning systems as imperfect as they may be. Also, given this lack of connectivity, this obviously constrains the interactions between students and teachers. We're also receiving reports from many countries, rich and poor, uh, about the poor attendance rates uh, during the uh, lockdown. Uh, that is, students not uh, following those online uh, lessons. This is a worrying trend. So mitigation, while uh, possible, uh, good uh, efforts to try to address this, uh, but. Uh, we do see limitations. And in many countries, remote learning is, is, uh, is quite scarce. Uh, we know that in poorer countries, very limited access to, um, to the internet, for example, uh, and systems that are just not ready to provide uh, massive remote learning uh, for so many students. Even in high-income countries, there are proportions of students that don't have access uh, to, to the internet, and we do have to rely on other, uh, other means, TV, even radio. In Europe and Central Asia, uh, only half of the countries surveyed rely exclusively on online opportunities. Uh, they doesn't mean that they don't have access to distance education, but it might come from a combination of online and broadcast uh, uh, TV and perhaps even uh, radio, but uh, these other means don't allow for as much of the interaction uh, that's that's expected in in a in a good quality blended learning environment. We also get reports that there has been uh, efforts to communicate to teachers. Uh, to communicate with students and to provide uh, the means for this. And countries have made some uh, effort to do this. ECA, does, uh, Europe and Central, does a little better than other uh, regions in this regard. What are some of the uh, economic costs of the school closures? Perhaps the first um, estimate was done uh, by the government of Norway, uh, and they uh, predicted that uh, with maybe 
5% uh, of students whose progress could be delayed because of the school closures and a loss of uh, over $200 million uh, for this um, lack of progress. And for every day school remained closed, a cost of uh, $165 million in the future, of course. There have been several estimates for the United States uh, suggesting that students uh, could lose future earnings of uh, between 60 and $90,000 uh, over a lifetime. Uh, and this could be uh, accentuated uh, given how long the closures take place. In the United Kingdom, there have been estimates that students would lose uh, up to 3% of future earnings as a result of the school closures and learning loss. In Canada, the estimate was that uh, if unemployment rates rise significantly, this year's uh, graduating class of high school and university students could lose over $25,000 over the next five years. At the global level, there have been uh, uh, several estimates. Uh, the World Bank's uh, simulation model for basic education, meaning uh, pre-primary, primary and secondary education, and taking into account the loss in learning as well as the loss in you know, quarter or more of a year of schooling, um, estimated uh, annual earnings losses of over $1,400 uh, or $25,000 over a lifetime, and a global loss of over $10 trillion in lost earnings alone. The OECD has uh, its own estimate and uh, very, very much in line with other estimates, about a 3% earnings loss for students in, in the future. Again, these are predictions based on uh, what we expect a year of schooling to produce in terms of uh, learning and earnings uh, outcomes. Uh, but just uh, last week, a study uh, for Belgium was published to show that learning losses were real. In a four-month uh, school closure in Belgium, significant earning, uh, learning losses were, uh, were actually shown for those students that were affected by the closure compared to the previous uh, cohort. So the learning losses were equivalent to about a quarter to a half year. So pretty much in line with the predictions. So if it happens in a country that performs as well as Belgium, we can expect significant learning losses to have occurred in other countries as well. In our estimates of uh, the earnings losses that include higher education, but not quality of higher education, we don't have a measure of that as we do for uh, secondary and primary schooling, uh, we also estimate that the school closures have a, a, a significant impact on future earnings. We estimate that in terms of um, future losses compared to this year's GDP, it could be between 12 and 18 percent of uh, national income globally. It's a big number. Um, it's a worrying number, but it is a future uh, prediction. This estimate can also be broken down by uh, type of type of country based on uh, national income. And of course, the earnings losses are lower in lower income countries. Salaries are lower to, to begin with, uh, much higher in high income countries. But at the global level, if we include higher education, the loss is about $11,000 a year. If we aggregate to the 1.5 or 1.6 billion students that have been affected, 
It's a much bigger number, 360 billion in low-income countries, 6.8 trillion in middle-income countries, 4.9 trillion in high-income countries. It's a bigger number in higher-income countries because in salaries are higher, but it's also large, uh, very large in middle-income countries where the majority of students uh, reside. The number in low-income countries sounds much smaller, but given the level of income in these countries, these are devastating losses that will push many, many uh, people into poverty. There's also differentiated effects by level of education. We expect uh, those who, who would have earned more to, to, to lose more, and that's precisely what we get. So at the primary level, the losses uh, look quite small compared to tertiary education, and the lifetime loss, of course, is much higher for tertiary education, uh, tertiary educated students, uh, but that's because the salaries are higher. Those with primary education may not suffer as much in relative terms, but given their level of income and how important this is for their uh, futures, these, again, are devastating uh, potential losses. Looking at some of the experiences in Europe and Central Asia, um, as the rest of the world uh, school closures began uh, in early to mid to mid March, and uh, by the end of that month, most school systems across Europe and Central Asia had been closed. Only three countries remained uh, open: uh, Belarus, Sweden, and Turkmenistan. It's reported, uh, and in as in the rest of the world in Europe and Central Asia, they turn to distance education or what people call emergency remote learning. In Europe and Central Asia, this was mostly online education, mostly through platforms such as Zoom. But it was often coupled with television broadcasts, especially where the digital networks are insufficient. Uh, sometimes they, they relied on television, in some cases, even radio. For example, in the case of uh, Kazakhstan, radio was also brought in for very remote areas. Our preliminary estimate of the total number of days lost so far uh, is 5,600 5, across all Europe and Central Asia. Remote learning took place. But one of the limitations, of course, with what we, we have in place in these countries is the uh, limited interaction between teachers and students. With, with broadcasts, this is not possible, obviously, but countries did make efforts to use other tools to stay in touch, to put the teacher and the student uh, together. This could have been Facebook, it could have been email, uh, even the post office was used in, in one country. Social media was widespread throughout the um, region, especially messaging apps, and many, many different uh, digital platforms um, were used. Uh, many well-known others um, perhaps got a, a debut. Uh, most school systems have reopened, either fully or with modifications or partially or delayed, uh, but we expect um, by early October, most systems to have, have gone back. The impacts are, are evidence is starting to come in. We know more about the coverage and the uh, distribution of uh, online opportunities. Uh, I mentioned the case of Belgium, the first 
uh, known case where, where actual learning losses were uh, estimated, uh, but we're learning other things about the impacts. In Germany, for example, we know uh, that the amount of school-related activities decreased during the lockdown from seven hours to uh, less than four hours during the school closures. Um, at the same time, more uh, hours were spent on television, computer games, cell phone usage for educational and other purposes. Um, and we learned in Germany that those students from uh, non-academic family backgrounds, low achieving students were particularly affected uh, negatively by the school closures. In Uzbekistan, uh, the ministry um, early on decided to use uh, television broadcasts because of the limited penetration of the internet, in, especially in remote and uh, uh, rural areas. So three uh, national TV networks were uh, mobilized in three languages throughout the country. And the reports are that 97% of the population was reached uh, through, this, uh, through this measure. The ministry um, used selected the best uh, teachers to deliver the TV lessons. And in remote areas, the, the reports were that uh, parents appreciated uh, seeing, uh, maybe for the first time, uh, good quality instruction uh, on, their, on their television. In many countries, we heard reports of uh, delays in national examinations, uh, in rescheduling of, uh, of important uh, assessments. Uh, but uh, little disruption in uh, learning con continuity. In many uh, of the uh, southern uh, countries, Balkan countries, uh, we're getting reports of uh, children who lack access to uh, digital devices, not benefiting from distance education. Uh, we're hearing that the minority and disadvantaged students are particularly hard hit in those, uh, in those places. The lack of um, equipment has come up as a, as a complaint in all countries in Europe and Central Asia. So those who are um, suffering the most are those without access to devices or uh, connectivity. So what, what can we do uh, going forward? I think the efforts during the school closures were, um, uh, were, 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 were well-placed, uh, well-intentioned um, and, and great efforts. Uh, but really, uh, most we can uh, expect is emergency remote learning, a lot of broadcast of lessons, and some um, effort to reach uh, students. So we do need to think of the distance education systems. We need to think about how to integrate the technology with, um, uh, with the uh, physical learning going forward and to build those resilient systems that, are, that will be necessary for the long haul. The other... The other thing that has become quite prominent is the need to um, quickly initiate learning recovery. Many countries have used the summer either to extend the school year or to start the school year early or to send out um, uh, tutors. We know from the literature that tutoring is effective, but uh, you need good quality uh, tutors. You need to address those students with uh, specific needs and provide what's become known in the literature as high dosage uh, tutoring. And this, some countries are, uh, uh, are pursuing this, uh, this, uh, this approach. 
the other thing we need are um, what I would call just-in-time learning assessment. Uh, teachers are facing, as students come back to the classroom, uh, a wider dispersion in uh, learning abilities because some people have uh, fallen back more than others, uh, and the teacher may not know which students uh, to, to target. So having some kind of uh, assessment that allows teachers to quickly gauge um, uh, students' um, learning levels and to uh, be able to address their, their learning needs uh, with the recovery uh, program. Other, other ne necessary uh, reforms um, and important uh, policies are to maintain government expenditures on education. Uh, budgets, of course, throughout the world will be under pressure as revenues decrease as a result of the lockdown and the, the ensuing recession. Uh, but if, if we reduce spending on education, this will have long-lasting um, uh, long effects uh, for, for students. So maintaining uh, government expenditure is, a, I would say, a minimum requirement. There's also a need to look at the, uh, a stimulus for education, to find ways uh, to provide some uh, just-in-time resources, whether it's for the assessments or the learning recovery programs, the accelerated learning that will be required to bring those students that fell, fell behind during the uh, lockdown and the summer break, bring them back up to where they need to be. We may need to provide additional funding uh, to some schools that are um, addressing the learning challenge for particular populations. This one-off uh, funding uh, is being used in several countries, several high-performing countries, including, for example, Australia, Ontario, um, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, um, and this might be needed in many countries. We also need to think about investing in digital skills. We're, we're hearing reports that um, in addition to the lack of connectivity or lack of devices, uh, many people lack the skills to uh, use the technology effectively. Uh, finally, I, I would say lifelong learning needs to be looked at again. Uh, some youth may uh, drop out because of the lockdowns and the economic crisis. Uh, it could be students who were already at risk of dropping out. This may push them over. But it's important that they're given opportunities to come back into the system uh, when they realize the, the need for uh, completing their, uh, whether it's their high school education or their college uh, program. Uh, and we need to recognize those skills and provide alternative opportunities for people to, uh, to, get, those, uh, to get those skills. Uh, many West European countries do this quite well. Um, it's something that needs to be replicated throughout the world, I would say. I want to mention also the importance of uh, assessment. I mentioned the need for just-in-time uh, assessments. Uh, I think uh, the assessment community can play a, a huge uh, part in this by helping create packages of uh, classroom assessments uh, so that teachers can uh, early on identify and monitor those students who are struggling to get back to where, where they are and to put them on a path of accelerated learning. Uh, we'll need these assessments to, to guide uh, tutoring, uh, to guide uh, 
literacy and numeracy programs, uh, and then use the assessments to evaluate um, what works and replicate uh, and expand on what uh, is most uh, effective. So assessments uh, for the use of uh, uh, teacher information and student development, I think are, are vitally important and something that needs to be done uh, very quickly. We also need to think uh, in the future of what, what an education system uh, needs to do uh, to become resilient and to be ready for the future. In Turkey, the World Bank uh, uh, financed a project uh, to support what we call safe schooling and distance education. It's both a response to the school closures it was designed during the, the school closures to bring up the capacity of the online education system in Turkey. Turkey already had a, a very good platform for distance education, but it wasn't designed uh, for mass uh, school closures and for uh, use by 17 million students at the same time. So the, the, the project helps build the capacity of, of the system to be able to handle more students at the same time uh, and to make sure that that uh, environment uh, is safe, safe from uh, uh, technological um, uh, disruptions and um, uh, attempts to, um, uh, to, to hack the, the system. Uh, it also builds the, the education system of the future in a more blended learning fashion. This project, um, I think uh, very, very timely uh, for Turkey, but it's also the, the sort of investment that countries are already doing and more countries need to think about uh, the short term and the long term um, uh, future of the education system so that they are resilient and in a way future proof. So our, our assessment of what an effective response might be to this, uh, to this pandemic and to the ongoing um, uh, threats to education uh, during the, um, uh, the pandemic and the uh, recession, uh, we suggest three things. One is uh, to invest in emergency connectivity and IT infrastructure. It seems that all education systems, even in the richest countries, uh, were, were not uh, totally prepared uh, for a pandemic of this, of, this, uh, of this magnitude. So making sure that we're ready for uh, emergencies and making sure that platform is ready is of uh, 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 vital uh, importance. Uh, second is the production of digital content. As uh, many countries uh, struggled to quickly respond when the schools closed, uh, what we saw was a lot of uh, lectures, um, not the full use of the uh, potential of technology to uh, to deliver uh, an integrated and uh, and uh, productive uh, learning um, environment. So building that digital content uh, that has the national curriculum, for example, but also uh, tools that allow for people to develop um, new skills. One of the complaints in, in the uh, United States for many uh, high school students was uh, just how how boring um, online learning was. So we need to uh, use the, the the rethink of the education system to build a more um, engaging and uh, 
welcoming environment. Uh, the third uh, part of the effective response is to, to build that institutional uh, capacity. Uh, we've built education systems that are good at uh, mobilizing teachers, preparing teachers, preparing for the physical um, environment, and by and large countries uh, do this uh, quite well. Uh, but uh, they lack the capacity to uh, address the needs of this future-oriented, resilient education system that blends technology and uh, physical presence. Our ministries of education throughout the world need to be strengthened uh, for the, both the immediate implementation of emergency projects and to build what I would call the system uh, of the future. Uh, and we do need a system that is uh, integrated through technology and physical presence that has the capacity to address specific students' needs uh, and to promote the, um, the learning goals of all students within their national education system. So I believe with these uh, three uh, elements, we can go um, uh, further into developing that system to address uh, the emergency that we're dealing with now and future emergencies, while at the same time building more uh, resilient and uh, sustainable education system to address our learning needs going forward. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. To keep up to date with the latest information from our Surpass community, visit Surpass.com. We'll be back with another podcast soon. Thank you for listening.